Philippians chapter 1, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. We've talked about the, uh, how this church was founded, how it was started. Paul, Paul is writing to this church. He's in Rome. He's incarcerated. And yet he is reminding this church of the joy that he has in Christ. And how that he has joy when he thinks of them and he prays for them. Well, we're going to see now Paul is going to ask for their prayers because Paul's incarcerated, Paul for, for nothing wrong that he's done, but for preaching the gospel. And yet Paul's perspective of this though, is that he realizes that all of these things, all of these circumstances that have happened to him have been filtered through the hand of God, that God's sovereign hand is in control of all of these circumstances. And what what Satan may have meant for evil, what the Roman government may have meant for evil, is actually just God's plan unfolding. And so he's going to infuse this confidence and encouragement into this church by saying this. He says that, I would that you'd understand, brethren. He's like, I, I want you to know this. I want, I want there to be a clear understanding that the things that have happened to me or the circumstances that I'm, I'm in... They have fallen out unto the furtherance of the gospel. He's saying the furtherance or the advancement of the gospel is a result of these things that have happened to me. See, Paul wanted to take the gospel to Rome. We know that from reading the book of Acts. Paul wanted to go to Rome and, and was wanting to take the gospel there. This wasn't how he planned to take it to Rome, though. Not going as a prisoner. But yet this was God's plan. Paul was going to be taken to Rome. He's a prisoner. He's probably some kind of house arrest is, is what the, the picture, more than likely, we don't know this for certain, but from historical context and background, that the incarceration at this time would probably not be what we would expect. He was probably had his own quarters, maybe in the palace, maybe his own like apartment type of building, but he had a Roman guard chained to him with him at all times and every four to six, maybe eight hours, they would change guards. And so Paul is saying this, look, the gospel's advancing. Paul knows he's going to get an audience with Caesar. Paul's going to stand before Nero. Paul is, is no doubt witnessing to these guards that are, are with him. And can you imagine like these guards, they're chained to him. Like they are literally a captive audience. And Paul is probably just preaching the gospel to them. And I just wonder how many of these Roman guards that were, had interaction with Paul, will we meet in heaven one day? Like, there's some speculation, we don't know, but Paul's convinced the gospel's being furthered. The gospel is advancing. That term, advance or furtherance, it's a militaristic term, talking about gaining ground. Paul's saying, look, the, the circumstances I'm in, what's happened to me, the, the gospel's advancing through it. The gospel is moving forward by this. So Paul has joy because he says, look, that in my bonds or my chains in Christ are manifest in all the palace, in all other places, throughout this whole area, this whole uh, situation. He's saying, look, the gospel's going forward in the palace, in all other places. Be encouraged by this. So Paul has joy in his suffering, first of all, because of the advancement of the gospel. And you know what? 
That's the same thing with our suffering. God uses it many times for the gospel to advance, for other people to come to know Christ as our Savior. We don't have to look that far to see that. Of the, the vast majority of people who come to Christ in just the last few years here at Crosspoint, the vast majority, God has used less than ideal circumstances in their life. To bring them to that point. Now it's the power of the word of God. And the spirit of God. Working in the hearts of men and women. But many times the means is that. Things aren't going well in life. There's trials. There's difficulties. People are seeking and searching. And don't even really know what for. But it is those circumstances. That God is using for the advancement of the gospel. And many people who have recently come to faith in Christ. Their story, their testimony is this. God brought me down. God, God wrecked things in my life or God allowed these circumstances to actually bring me to this devastating point. But it is at that point they came to know Christ. This is the advancement of the gospel. This is why we can have joy even in suffering because so often what happens is the gospel advances. The gospel goes forward. Maybe that's how you came to Christ. Maybe it's what God's using in your life now to bring someone else to Christ. You know, a really familiar passage of scripture that we love to go to is 1 Peter 3.15. It says this, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to anyone who asks of the hope that we have in us, Right? And so a lot of times, like we'll quote that verse when we're thinking defending the faith. When we think about, man, when atheists try to deny God or they try to mock us for our belief. Hey, be ready. Be prepared to give an answer. Or maybe it's like a false teachers that are out there. Like yesterday, I had to defend the Trinity against Jehovah's Witnesses that, were, that came up to my door. And a lot of times we think in those contexts, man, be ready with an answer. And, and that's ab absolutely applicable. Be prepared. Know the scripture, be ready to have uh, reasonable answers. But 1 Peter 3 isn't necessarily talking about defending our faith in that way. Peter's talking about suffering well as a Christian. That when you suffer well as a Christian, what happens is there's going to be times people are going to ask you, why do you have this hope? They're going to approach you. How come... All these devastating things are going on in your life. Why do you have hope? Why do you have joy? And Peter says, then be ready to give an answer for why you have that hope. And many times that those are going to be the doors that God will open is not when our life is going well. It's when there's devastation and use those things as a platform. And that, that doesn't mean as Christians that, that, that we can't like grieve and, 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 and show emotion because a lot of times, like, I think if we're not careful, we can just put a fake smile and act like everything's fine because we want to have a good testimony. But look, we can grieve and sorrow, but yet still have a hope and joy that comes from God. And that can be a platform for us to be able to give the gospel and share the gospel. So several of you know a little bit about my wife's testimony and how that... When she was young, when she was eight years old, her 14-year-old her brother was tragically killed in a car accident. He was actually hit and run. 
her brother, teenage, teenage young man, was killed. And that, that, that was such a tragedy, such a dark point in their family's life. But fast forward, fast forward almost 30 years later, as my wife looks back on that and she sees now that the, the vast majority of her father's side of the family are believers. They weren't before that. And it was that, that tragedy that that was the main catalyst that God used in bringing the majority of, of her family to come to know Christ. It's what caused many of them to start going to church. And now they're, they're believers and their children and their children's children are growing up as believers. And you look back and you think, what a dark tragedy. Why would God allow that great evil and pain and suffering? But yet, it's an example of how God will use our trials and tragedies for the gospel to advance, for the gospel to move forward. This is what Paul is talking about. He said, the things that have happened to me, it's been for the furtherance, the advancement of the gospel. He's like, Christ is now being preached in places that he wouldn't have been preached if it wasn't for him going to Rome as a prisoner. And I wonder, like, who in your life is six months away from becoming a believer? Who in your life, what family member, what friend, what relative is a month away from becoming a believer? And they're watching your life. They're seeing your testimony. And maybe it's through suffering that God is going to allow you to have a platform to give the gospel. The answer is we don't know. We don't know the people that are watching. We don't know how God is using our suffering and pain and sorrow. To advance the gospel. But that's the, 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 the faith, the confidence that Paul had is this. The gospel's moving forward. He says this, not only, is, not only can he have joy because of the advancement of the gospel. But secondly, we see other people were being encouraged by his trials. He says this, verse 14. Many of the brethren... They're waxing confident. They're becoming more and more bold and confident to speak the word without fear. Now, you think about that. At first, it's like, why? I mean, Paul got arrested for that. Wouldn't that cause more fear? But that's not what's happening. Paul's saying to the church at Philippi, believers in Rome, they're becoming more bold. Why? Because they see that Paul's in jail, but yet God is sustaining him. They see Paul's in jail, but the gospel's going forward. And Paul's saying, look, God is using my situation to breathe life and encouragement and boldness into other believers. And that's what happens. That's what happens so often that when we're suffering, when we're going through dark days, that yet our faith in God during those times can be something that breathes courage. It's encouragement. It breathes courage and hope and confidence into others. Look, we see that every week when the church gathers. Whether we realize it all the time or not. When we gather as a church. When we corporately sing to God. When I look out and see and hear People singing praises to God, singing about their confidence in God, knowing 
the things they've been through. Knowing the things, the, the, the valleys you have walked through. Knowing the valleys you are walking through. And yet you have a heart, yes, that's sad at times, but, but also has joy, that has faith. That instills confidence. That instills faith in one another. And this is why this is so important that when you're going through difficult times, when you're going through adversity, the worst mistake you can make is to leave and, and walk away from your church family. And that happens so often though. I talk with people all the time that they were in church and they left for a while because of difficult things that they've gone through. And look, I sympathize with that. Like I, I, can, I can totally understand the, just the emotional things that people have gone through and are going through and the hurt. But yet the reality is that when we're going through those times, that's when we need the church more and more. Why? Because that's when we encourage one another. That's when we find that encouragement. And this is what Paul's saying. He said, look, the things that have happened unto me, I want you to know it's for the gospel to advance. It's for the gospel to go forward. God's kingdom is gaining ground. God's kingdom is advancing. But not only that, other brothers in Christ, other believers, they're more bold now to speak the word. They're more bold to speak without fear. Why? Because they see how God's sustaining Paul. They see how Paul has joy in this. And he knows that he knows that it's encouraging other believers. You've heard the term, the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. That how when persecution came, when persecution comes, other believers around the world now that are being persecuted, the gospel isn't being, the flame of the gospel isn't being put out. It's spreading. It's giving others more courage. Oh, sure, there's some probably fear in their hearts. Just like if I was picked up today and incarcerated for preaching the gospel. Yeah, maybe there'd be some feelings of fear in your heart a little bit. But also, you know what it would do? It would give more people courage and boldness to stand for Christ. To stand during difficult times. And this is exactly what is happening with Paul being arrested. With Paul being in a situation that... He had no idea what God was doing at the time, but yet God's revealing this truth to him. And God is encouraging him. Now Paul says this, look, some indeed are preaching Christ of envy and strife. In other words, some people, they're preaching the right gospel, but they're doing it out of a bad motive. He's like, but there's also those preaching it out of goodwill. He says the one, they're, they're preaching Christ of contention. They're not sincere. They're, they're adding affliction to my bonds or to my chains. In other words, he's saying, look, there's people, they're actually glad that Paul was incarcerated because they're only preaching out of a rivalry. Their motive, now it seems like they're preaching the right gospel because Paul's saying he's rejoicing that they're at least preaching the gospel. But he's saying they're doing it out of a bad motive. And we, we see that. We see sometimes there's those... They preach the right gospel, but it's with a bad motive. They're more concerned about their kingdom. They're more doing it out of a, a rivalry. These, these are people that will just pick at the slightest things. 
Not people who are teaching heretical things or denying the Bible's God's word or denying things that are clearly taught in scripture, like that are clear in the word of God, that, that, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the only way to heaven, teaching things clearly about what the Bible says, about how God created us, what the Bible says about sexuality, what the Bible says about our identity. Like, we're not talking about compromising any of those things. Just someone that maybe has a different style in ministry and people that want to just pick at those things. Paul says, look, there are those, they're preaching the right gospel, but they're doing it out of a bad motive. They're doing it out of envy. They view other Bible teaching Christians and churches as rivalries instead of as co-laborers in Christ. Paul's saying, man, that's just adding more affliction to me. But Paul's perspective is, well, thank God at least the gospel's being preached. Well, that's a really good attitude to have for Paul. Say, look, some are preaching it out of goodwill, but not everyone. So there's some who preach the gospel with a bad motive. And then there's some people, they preach the wrong message, the wrong gospel. They have a good motive. Like their heart's right. Their heart's sincere. Right? We see this later on in Philippians, but their message isn't a good one. It's, it's watered down or it's a false gospel. It's a false Jesus. It's a false message of the gospel. They might be sincere, but they're still wrong. Then there's also those, they preach the wrong message with the wrong motive. Like they're very angry. They're very hate-filled. And not only that, they're not even preaching the right message. Well, Paul refers to them later on in Philippians as dogs. Just so you know, that's not a compliment, right? Like you guys love dogs, right? You love the, I love dogs now that I have a dog, right? But this is not, look, dogs were not, they, they were not pets at this time, right? They were stray dogs that carried diseases. They were, they, this was not a compliment. Paul's saying, look, those that are preaching a false Jesus, those that are preaching a false gospel, man, they're, they're dangerous. They're leading people down a path of destruction. But here Paul's saying, look, there's those that are preaching the gospel, but unfortunately, they're not doing it with the right motive. May our desire to be that we preach the right message, the right Jesus, the Jesus we see in Scripture, the message of salvation as the Bible teaches, that it is faith in Jesus Christ alone that saves us, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. May we preach that message, the right message. May we do it with the right motive. Pastor Howard in his commentary, if you read it, you saw he's, he's, he talked about how ironic it was. People were preaching a message of love and hope, but doing it out of, out of a heart of hate and jealousy and envy. How ironic that that is, but that can happen. May we preach the right gospel. May we do it though with the right motive. May it be about his kingdom, not our own. May it be, and this is what Paul's saying, look, the gospel's being advanced. Paul didn't care if he was being advanced. He wanted the gospel to be advanced. I love this quote about this particular passage from A.W. Tozer. He says this, Dear Lord, I refuse henceforth to compete with any of thy servants. They may have congregations larger than mine. So be it. I rejoice in their success. They have greater gifts. Very well. That is not in that their power or mine. I am humbly grateful for their greater gifts and for my smaller ones. I only pray that I may use mine to thy glory, though modest gifts as they be. 
I will not compare myself with any or try to build up my self-esteem by noting where I excel, excel one or another in thy holy work. I herewith make a blanket disavowal of all intrinsic worth. I am but an unprofitable servant. I gladly go to the foot of the cross and own myself the least of thy people. If I err in my self-judgment and actually underestimate myself, I don't even want to know it. I purpose to pray for others and to rejoice in their prosperity as if it were my own. And indeed, it is my own if it is thine own. For what is thine is mine. And while one plants and another waters, it is thou alone that giveth the increase. What a good take. What a, what a great perspective. May that be our perspective. And this is Paul's. He's saying, look, I'm rejoicing. There's others that they're actually kind of rejoicing that I'm off the scene, so to speak, because they're just preaching out of rivalry. They're just looking at me as just someone now out of their way. Now they, they've got more followers. They've got a bigger platform. And Paul's like, who cares about that? He's like, I'm just glad that the gospel, I'm just glad that Christ is preached. And you know what? That's enough for me to rejoice. Verse 19, this is such a powerful statement. Because keep in mind where Paul's at. He's incarcerated. I mean, it's not really looking great for him. And Paul kind of goes back and forth. We'll see this in Philippians. Like here he's going to have this great confidence that God's going to deliver him. But then the next verse he's going to be like, hey, God's going to be glorified whether I live or die. Like so you see this battle of he's like, man, God's going to deliver me. But if he doesn't, he's still going to be glorified. He says this, I know this shall turn to my salvation or my deliverance, my vindication through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. He says, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through your prayers, church, God's going to deliver me. My salvation, my deliverance, my vindication is coming. So Paul just spent all, these, all this time telling them how much he loves his church, how he's praying for them. He tells them the specific prayer that he's praying for them. That they would grow, they would flourish, that they would, their love would abound more and more in wisdom and in knowledge. And that they would grow. And now he's saying, I need your prayers. It's through your prayers, church, that God's going to answer those things and use your prayers for my deliverance, for my salvation. And he says it's going to be not just your prayers, but the supply, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but so that with all boldness, as always, so now also, here it is, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. God, give us that resolve. Amen. Give us this perspective that when we are suffering, when we're going through difficult times and times we don't understand, things that we don't comprehend, may our perspective be, God, may you be magnified. May you be glorified. May you, Christ, be exalted in my life, whether it's by life or by death. Whether things are good or bad, whether it's easy or it's hard, may our one desire, may our one goal be that Christ be magnified, that Christ be exalted, that God alone be 
glorified. And this is what is infusing this joy into Paul. This is what it will infuse joy into us. That even though maybe we're suffering, even though we're going through difficult circumstances in life right now, may Christ be magnified. 